0: Welcome to the Miles Memories podcast. I'm Sean Kuma, your host. Mark is going to cut in a little bit later, but he's not here live with me, but Joe Chung is.
2: How's it going, Joe? Been a couple weeks since I've seen you. Pretty good. Not as good as uh, your weeks have been, but uh, it's great to be here. Great to see you again, Sean. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and
0: yeah, I finally got to leave the country, so my streak of having left the United States every calendar year since 2006 remains intact. I went to the British Virgin Islands, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. I know it's nerdy to, I didn't even realize that streak existed until COVID started, and I actually went back and figured it out, and I know a lot of people have been traveling internationally, but this was my first time leaving the country, so a lot of uh, excitement, even if it was only the British Virgin Islands, which felt U.S. adjacent, I guess. It didn't feel too different, but uh, still had to go through that border.
2: It's so that still British, you know,
0: it's not the U.S. Virgin, <laughs> so. Yeah, it's only, you know, it's only five minutes or so from the U.S. Virgin Islands, but uh it's it's remarkably british there which i appreciate anything different than the than the us and these walls that have confined me for for so long how have uh how have you been how's the
2: family doing uh we're doing okay we are gearing up for halloween we just decided where we're going to go trick or treating but i don't know it's just kind of snuck up on us i don't know if it's like covid things or we've just been too busy but we have no idea what our kids are going to Go as for Halloween. What about you guys? Are you guys going to go trick or treating in Las Vegas? We are, and thankfully Ellie already has this all planned out with her cousin,
0: uh, who's four months different than her, and they're both little girls. One's going to be a doctor. Ellie's going to be a doctor. Her cousin's going to be a nurse. They figured this out like a month ago. We didn't have to do any of the planning. the The little girls, the little six year olds, decided it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Getting all these kids together. You know, we did Halloween sort of normally. Last year, you know, it was outdoors, went to my other brother's house. Uh, so it'll be interesting to, to get them together. But yeah, doctor and nurse, not the outfits that you would expect from six-year-old girls. But hey, I
2: mean, it works for them. No, that's good. they sh- That's what they should do. I mean, my four-year-old just wants to go. We have like a million princess dresses that have been handed down to us. So she is just going to choose one of those. But then our older kids, we have no idea what they're going to be right now. My wife usually makes costumes for them. We will see if she uh, has enough time to do so this year, but uh, we're still looking forward to it. I think last year we just kind of, we could have gone, but I don't know. Mentally, it was nice to take the year off, at least for Halloween. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Ellie did throw a little bit of a wrench in it because she also
0: has the Halloween sort of like carnival event at her school this week. And, you know, of course she wants a separate costume for that. Uh, So I think she's doing like a Disney princess, something like that for for her school Halloween, and then uh, the main one, the doctor. So you can never have enough wardrobe changes, I'm learning, with little girls, (laughs) which is always fun.
2: You know, our oldest, she is not like that. And so with the youngest, the four-year-old, it's just been kind of mind-blowing, like how easy my older daughter used to be, or still is. But the four-year-old, she will do three costume change or just three outfit changes per day. And uh, it just... It drives us nuts, but what are you (laughs) going to do? That's just how she likes to do it. So,
0: Oh, my daughter is exactly the same way, especially like on a weekend if she's bored and doesn't have a lot to do and she's here all day. It's, you know, every toy, every dress, every, you know, it's it's a mess, but she has a ton of fun. So probably more fun than I did. I mean, at that age, I was simple. I was playing with Legos and GI Joes, I think. I didn't make quite the spectacle
2: that she does, but she, uh, like I said, she has a good time doing it. I mean, they got to do what they got to do. You know, we love them for it, no matter whether they like to change their clothes or not. So at least change your clothes once a day, though. You know, pro tip out there. (laughs) There you go. All right, let's get into the show. Before we do,
0: just want to remind everybody out there, if you like this show, don't forget to subscribe. We're in any podcast app, wherever you're listening to this right now, or you can head to mtmpodcast.com for credit card links or links to subscribe. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, we appreciate five-star written reviews. They help us out so much. We also have our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. If you want to dive in deeper into the world of miles and points with our private Slack, Facebook group, meetups, content every single week, you can find that at patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. So we talked about it a little bit earlier. Or we alluded to it. I was in the British Virgin Islands on Mosquito Island, which is owned by uh, Sir Richard Branson. And we'll talk about that. Built Rewards had invited me along with some other miles and points people. To kind of talk their rewards program and had a lot of fun out there doing it so a lot of content to kind of go over but did want to thank built for for inviting me out there and i'm really excited about their program we're going to do a future episode kind of diving into that talking with richard kerr who's the head of loyalty over there but did want to remind everybody before we get into talking about mosquito island and everything else built rewards is still on a wait list and it's the only way you can earn credit card rewards for paying rent without a fee and so if you're interested in that, you can use the code MTM4Built to bypass the waitlist. BuiltRewards.com. You know, sign up for the waitlist. You'll see that it has a spot for a promo code. Use MTM4Built and you can bypass the waitlist. Number four. Yes. MTM number four built. And we'll also have a full guide to Built Rewards on the website this week. It's already actually up. So if you want to dive in deeper, I actually think the credit card offering, what they're what they're doing there is really good. So yeah, check that out on the website, the full guide to built and then MTM number four built to skip the wait list. Joe, let's talk Mosquito Island. Now, how long has it been a a few years ago that uh, Greg from Frequent Miler went to Necker Island using points? And he wasn't the only one to ever do it, but he was probably the person who in the miles and points community was the most high profile and who sort of wrote the most about it and shared most of that experience. And Did you know that Richard Branson has a second
2: private island right next door called Mosquito Island? I do now. You know, I have a couple, I have a couple questions. First, I'm wondering when, it feels like Mosquito Island only became a thing in the last year or so. It's almost like during the pandemic is when people started going to Mosquito Island. And then my second question is did you get the deal for why Mosquito Island is called Mosquito Island with a K? I think it's branding.
0: It's historically been known as Mosquito Island. And I remember, and I can't remember any of these other names, but they were saying all the weird names that some of the British Virgin Islands have. So they just sort of named them weird names back in the day. So historically, it's been known as Mosquito Island, Q-U-I-T-O, the the traditional spelling. I think Virgin has changed it to M-O-S-K-I-T-O more as branding. To make it less, you know, like the blood-sucking insect uh, that you want to, you know, avoid at all costs. And, and I have to say, I did use a little bit of repellent, but I didn't end up having a huge amount of bites. So, thankfully, the mosquitoes didn't attack me too much there. But you're right, Necker Island has been owned by Virgin and Richard Branson, I think, since the '70s, and he's had a home there. And uh, it's part of the, you know, the Virgin Limited Edition. And about ten years ago. Uh, Sir Richard Branson bought Mosquito Island for 10 million pounds, and he's kind of turning it into a very similar thing. He has a house on both islands, so when you know, Necker is rented, he'll be over on Mosquito Island. He has his own villa there. Mosquito Island's a little bit bigger, and what's basically happened is Richard Branson and 10 other uh, fairly wealthy individuals, I guess, have sort of partnered, and they're going to eventually build 10 estates, private estates on Mosquito Island. Right now, there's four of them with three of them being available to actually rent out when they're not being used by the owners, and including uh, Branson's estate, and then you have the Point estate,
2: and you have the Oasis estate where I stayed uh, and was hosted by Built Rewards. So 10 million pounds does not sound like that much money. I mean, it's a lot of money, but it doesn't sound like that much money to buy an island. You know, I assume he bought it like... It was as is. It was probably empty or whatever, but still, that's. It doesn't seem. It feels like islands should be more expensive. It does, and I don't know, you know, what the whole deal
0: with it was. There was a sail in resort that was there before, like a diving resort on the island. Um, but when Branson, you know, bought it, they've done a huge amount of redevelopment. They're continuing to, as you know, there was a big storm there, uh, which destroyed a lot in Necker Island and in this entire area. So there's a lot of rebuilding going on. A lot of infrastructure building roads. Uh, This is a very hilly island, obviously. So I imagine the amount of investment in these properties is substantial just to get them to where they are. Because each of these estates is basically like a mini hotel. Think of, you know, it has its own pools and gym and staff and various amounts of of rooms and, and, and bars and activities and everything else. So that's sort of what these are like. Think of it as like a private sort of hotel there and I imagine they spent hundreds of millions of dollars to develop this Island after buying it just with all the infrastructure they put there.
2: Yeah. So let's run through some of these rates and then I have a couple of questions for you about them. So the Oasis estate where you stayed, Sean in low season, it's a cool $19,000 per night in high season is 28,000. That's nine rooms total accommodating 18 guests. It's, 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 it's 19,000 total for the 18 guests or it's 19,000 like per guest, uh, you know, which one is that, it? Would, that would be total.
0: I believe uh, it's a minimum of a four night stay at any of these places. And it includes uh, a dedicated estate manager, private chef, your whole staff, you know, housekeepers, bartenders. Uh, and by the way, I just want to say the staff there was incredible uh, top to bottom. So just want to give huge uh, shout outs to the staff.
2: And it's all uh, inclusive,
0: and, right? Like you, like your yeah. food's
2: all part of that.
0: Yeah. Private chef. So he, he will cater the menu to what what you want. Um, you know, all of the the drinks, the food, everything is included. And the rooms are really high quality. Think of the best sheets that you possibly could think of. Incredibly comfortable mattresses. Think of you know five star hotel, really top end luxury stuff. That's what you're experiencing here. Uh, there's also some common areas for the estates uh, down by the water that has like a common area pool and clubhouse, uh, gym, tennis courts, and water sports, so kayaks, paddle boarding. All of that's communal to the different estates on the island. But of course, the, the state themselves have, for instance, the Oasis Estate sits at the top of the island. So you have 360 degree views through, you know, you can see Necker Island, you can see Virgin Gorda, see all of the, the surroundings. It's pretty insane, especially watching the sun come up, sun go down. It's very surreal to be on this place so isolated from the rest of the world and uh, in this incredible, an incredibly modern kind of estate, hotel feeling place. Really, uh, I really liked it, but it's really an over-the-top experience.
2: And does it include your transfer from, like, I know you need to get from San Juan is, like, where you flew into, and then you, like, went from there to Tortola, and then from there you have to take a boat to the island. Is that include? The reason why I'm saying this is because when I saw on Twitter it was $19,000 a night, I thought that was crazy. But $19,000 a night split amongst 18 people. That's only, like, $1,000 a night. I mean, we're talking high end cruise prices, which is expensive, but it's not as crazy as, you know, when I thought it was $19,000 a night, just say like for my family, like that's a non-starter. But $1,000 per person, you know, if you go with like 18 of your closest friends or whatever, that is not as insane, especially if, if your transfers are included and stuff like that, not getting down to the Caribbean, but from wherever you get to the Caribbean. So I'm curious about that whole process as well. I mean, I don't know. Sean, I know you were there hosted, <laughs> but but like we could we could maybe do this. We could, you know, yeah. find sixteen of our closest friends. Or maybe we'll, well bring I our wife, so only 14 of them.
0: I will say this seems like a better deal than the Galactic Star Cruiser at Walt Disney World, and I can say it's infinitely uh better, uh, in my opinion, even though I haven't done that. But yeah, I, I think you're you're right. I don't believe all transfers are included. So they give you different options based on the the sort of paperwork I saw, the press media stuff, I should say both the Oasis estate and the point estate, uh, the ones that are the non Branson, to your point, this hasn't really been a thing. They're brand new to the collection with Virgin. So on October first is when they started renting these things out. So not only are these buildings new and, and beautiful, they haven't been rented out a whole lot, so this is a new system. But uh, yeah, let me let's talk about the rates real quick, just for the three. So you talked about where I stayed. Nineteen thousand is the cheapest. Twenty-eight thousand in the high season. Branson's estate naturally uh, a little bit more. Twenty-five k a night, a low season. Thirty-six k high season. Although that will sleep up to twenty-two guests. And then the Point Estate, uh, which is just another similar estate. Seventeen-five on the low end. Twenty-five thousand on the high end. And that only sleeps fourteen people. Although that place has a really cool pool that has a has like skylights to a room below it. These places are all, all all insane. But I said four-night stay includes all of the, the people and everything else. So yeah, to get into the island. Now, I paid for my flight into San Juan. And then from there, they took care of the transportation. Um, I flew into San Juan because, just on a side note, and I'll talk about my flights with American Airlines a little later, $67 each way, Las Vegas to San Juan on American Airlines. That was about as, as good a deal as you're ever going to find. And of course, with my executive platinum status, I was able to get a little bit more there, but flew into San Juan. Then I was met by somebody there who kind of had my name, but we were waiting a few more hours for Spencer Howard, uh, another miles and points person straight to the points, to arrive. So I went and used the lounge, and when he got there, they took us to the private plane area of the airport through different secure doors and everything else, and we boarded a plane. Now, this plane was big enough, I'd say, to hold eight people, and it was just me and Spencer and the pilot. Uh, who was incredible? He also picked us up a couple days later. And we flew to Tortola. So, Tortola is about a 35 minute flight from San Juan. And just think about cruising over the Caribbean at 5,000 feet for about 35 minutes. Uh, if you like seeing things from the sky, if you like airplanes, and you don't mind being in a tiny airplane, it's about as incredible as an experience as I've had. Just, you know, truly stunning. Can't take enough pictures, videos, that type of experience where you don't want it to end propeller plane? Yeah, a propeller plane. Like I said, it was an eight-seater going there. On the way back, it was just a four-seater, which is the smallest plane I've ever been on. Um, Same thing with it was me and and Spencer and everything else. So uh, just a really cool way to to get there. From Tortola, though, you still need a 30-minute boat ride to to Mosquito. Uh, I believe you can also take helicopters over there, and you can fly from the various islands. Some of the people came from St. Thomas flying into Tortola, which was only like a 10-minute flight, I think, compared to the 35- from San Juan, and then there is a helipad, so if you want to fly in via helicopter and come from other places all throughout the Caribbean, so it's fairly easy to get there, and a place I would I would certainly recommend. Lots of activities. Like I said, this used to be a dive resort, so you, there's a reef right off the, the coast about halfway between Mosquito and Necker Island with rays and turtles and all kinds of fish. You can kayak out there, um, just all kinds of incredible things to do, as you would expect
2: in the middle of the Caribbean. All right, so... What is the best activity that you did on? Did you end up staying? Since you were hosted, I'm not sure. Were you there for a full four days? And you know, what's the best activity that you did? We did three nights there,
0: so four days and three nights. Uh, a lot of just sort of relaxing by the incredible pool, enjoying the enjoying the scenery. There were some hikes that were done. My favorite thing was doing the kayak. We did a kayak out onto the reef, and uh, it was a great time to to see. Like I said, we saw ray, saw some turtles. Uh, some other fishes as well. So, and also just getting out on the water and getting that perspective of the islands because you do have Virgin Gorda, uh, which is, you know, one of the fairly bigger towns in the British Virgin Islands, which you can see from there. You can see all of Mosquito. Uh, Necker Island is just sort of behind you. Um, So
2: it's cool to get that perspective from the water. And I think that was probably my my favorite part. And then Private Chef. So they cater a menu for you guys, but did they like ask you what, you were kind of into before or is it kind of one of those things where they get to know you as the course of the trip goes on? You know, how did that work for
0: us? Because we were, you know, hosted there with the the CEO, Ankara Jane, of Built Rewards and some of them, they, they sort of already had the, the menu set up. Um, so he's a vegetarian. So there was a lot of great vegetarian dishes. But one night we had pizza um, and just all kinds of incredible stuff. So they will if you're renting it out, they will. Uh, meet with you and go over the the full menu. In our case, they just sort of cooked up a lot of incredible food that was all delicious, and we didn't really have much input on that. They did ask, of course, dietary restrictions, uh, things like that, but everything the chef made was incredible, so I didn't have anything I didn't like. Best thing you ate? Best thing I ate. The first night, there was some spicy kind of sweet fish. I didn't get the name of what it was, but it was just incredible, and i honestly didn't pay too much attention to like asking about stuff like that but everything was really good the last night we had pizza which you know was all handmade and everything else and just the crust everything was incredible so you had like on one end you know amazing fish and and kind of vegetarian dishes and then we had pizza the last night everything was good (laughs) everything
2: fresh high quality no complaints i wish mark was here so i could make some stuffed crust pizza jokes Right now, I know you would, app- <laughs> would appreciate that. Mark would but, have been like, "Where's the
0: Detroit style pizza? What's going on here?" No, yeah, uh, it yeah, was, yeah. But yeah, it was the the chef was great, the the staff was great, and that was that's what made it great. I mean, if you, if you want to do something like this, now you know we'll we'll talk about why we're talking about this. This is hopefully something that will be available on uh, miles and points through the Virgin uh, Atlantic program. Right now, Necker isn't available anymore with points because of probably because of the pandemic. There is hope that this will be, you know, joining Necker, and you will be able to redeem points here. We don't know what that will be. Um, I believe what was Necker 1.5 million for their celebration weeks
2: before the pandemic, something like that. Yeah, I definitely seven figures.
0: Yeah, so I would expect it to be in line with that. Built is also, you know, talking about maybe the possibility of figuring out a way to do redemptions for this. Although, like nothing, you know, nothing that they promised. Just said that that would be a cool thing for them to do. So hopefully there are going to be some opportunities. To get this stuff on miles and points, if you really want aspirational stuff. But to your point, Joe, if you're a bunch of nerds who, you know, appreciate something like this, you know, I was on this island with a lot of kind of old school miles and points people. You had Gary from View from the Wing. You had Greg, the frequent miler. um, You know, a lot of a lot of really uh, cool people who've been around a long time, mixed with some younger like Instagrammers and and really uh, interesting things. But I think pretty much everybody in this hobby would appreciate a place like this, as long as you can kind of understand what those sort of unique over-the-top places are in the world. This is certainly one of them, and, you know, I I was always somebody who was kind of torn on the whole Necker Island thing. It's a lot of points, and it's not something I ever personally pursued, but I could totally see why you and I both have friends who have been to Necker more than once, and I know uh, Esther from Them Flyers, she was just there and wrote about About some stuff, but people swear by this place, or they swear by by going to even despite the cost, and I can totally see why. It's different than anywhere else I've ever been, and probably you know the nicest place I've ever been.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, I I just feel like um, you know you joke about the Galactic Star Cruiser at Disney World, but that's six thousand dollars for a family of four for about thirty-six hours of stuff. So you know, people are willing to pay a lot of money a lot of different experiences. And so I I wouldn't see why, yes, a $1,000 a night per person is a lot of money, but you know you can't take it with you. So something that uh, is, I don't know, I, I would definitely consider it at some point in my life. Maybe not right now, but. Yeah. No, I mean, I could see why people do this and I can
0: see the, the benefit of it. And it is a whole different world, right? It's peeking behind the curtain of a, a different world, a different level of wealth and And it's just something that was incredibly interesting to me. It's a beautiful place with, you know, beautiful staff taking care of you, beautiful rooms and views and pools, everything you would want from a very high-end luxury experience. You just happen to be a place where there's no other people. And uh, I can definitely see the benefit in that. And to your point, not cheap, but there's plenty of experiences in this world that are, you know, designed in the same way. So I do hope that we'll see this on miles and points see some options to get this without having to pay cash. That would be really cool. And uh, we'll, we'll stay on top of that.
2: Yeah. Well, speaking of luxury, I really want to hear why you decided to fly American Airlines back from San Juan and how that uh, kind of backfired a little bit on you. <laughs> you know, it, it sounded like a good idea at the time, I'm oh, sure, God. when you were writing it up. But uh, tell me tell me how this luxury AA flight back backfired on you. All right, so like I said, I got $67
0: each way, Las Vegas to San Juan. Now, going there, uh, I had Las Vegas to Miami, Miami to San Juan. It's about as direct as I can get from Las Vegas. And Las Vegas to Miami was on a 777, so I was hoping to get as an executive platinum, uh, which I got through Hyatt uh, through a match that they did a couple years ago. I was hoping to get upgraded. That didn't happen, so Las Vegas to Miami, I was in international... Um, premium economy for that flight, which wasn't terrible. Think about it. It's very similar to a domestic first class seat, Uh, but I didn't get the the lie flat upgrade coming back. I couldn't get that Miami to Las Vegas flight uh, with the lie flat on a seven, eight, seven, triple seven. So what I booked Joe as an idiot is San Juan to Miami in just a normal 737 Miami to Dallas in the seven, eight, seven. So I could get the lie flat and then Dallas to Vegas. Now in normal times, that would probably be a stupid idea, but during COVID with so many operational issues, it turned out to be an even dumber idea, although I almost pulled it off. So my San Juan to Miami flight went perfectly well. I board in Miami, I get my 787, I clear the uh, the upgrade. So now I got my international live flat, exactly what I wanted. Into Dallas, everything's great. When we leave Miami, my plane for the Vegas flight is, is looking good. I land in Dallas, they've equipment swapped me and I'm delayed three hours sitting in the Dallas airport. I knew it. it was too good to be true that I could pull off a two connection itinerary on American
2: without getting completely screwed, and it happened. It's like, I just don't know, <laughs> Sean. I don't. It was understand. so dumb. I don't understand, man. Miami to Dallas is what a three hour flight, four hours max. Like you didn't need it. No, I. Oh, you're right. I didn't.
0: Now, I mean, to the point it was it was a little bit more for for the direct flight in Miami to Las Vegas, but that's not really why I, I did the did it. I would have paid the few dollars more because it was still incredibly cheap. I really did it for the 787 just to, to I don't know why. It was really, uh, it was dumb.
2: And you know, my point is you don't need a live flat for three hours.
0: No, I no, I get it. I wanted to, you know, I haven't been on an international business class flight in a while, and I missed it, and so uh, I was happy to do it, and I missed the upgrade coming out. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I shouldn't have done it. The other thing that sucked is that in Dallas, the Centurion Lounge closed at 7.30 p.m., so not only did I, you know, I had nowhere to wait as far as a nice lounge, the priority pass lounge there closed at nine, but that was really, really bad. The club, it was just overran. I did get to use the minute suites uh, for a little bit of rest, but it ended up being like a 16 hour day to get from San Juan to Vegas, completely my fault. You know, 12 hours would have been about the best I could have done. So it's not like, or, you know, 10 hours with a one connection. So I ad- it ended up
2: adding a few extra hours. I got my life flat. I don't know, Joe, lesson learned, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm sure both of us will do stuff like this again in the future and not actually learn our lesson. Centurion Lounge closing at 7.30, though. I mean, yeah, you can get a new SoulCycle bike, but uh, come on, Amex. You got to do a little bit better than closing your lounges at 7.30.
0: Yeah, I didn't didn't even have an idea that it would be closed. I didn't even think to look at the hours. I just showed up at the door, and it said closed at 7.30. And uh, like I said, the club at DFW, not my favorite lounge. That is like it's in – Different rooms with the hallway. It doesn't compare. So th- it was kind of a miserable night. I finally got home. You know, I lived to tell the story. A couple other things in San Juan. I'd stayed at the Sheraton in Old San Juan. And uh, I had taken a cruise out of there in 2012. Didn't sh- stay at the Sheraton then. But that is the perfect location for cruises because it's right across from the cruise port. Um, and I think it's a fine hotel. Pretty typical Sheraton stuff. Uh, just wanted to kind of give a quick review. I think it was 30000 Marriott points, you know, it, depending on if you're, if you're cruising, if I was going to take a cruise out of San Juan, that's the hotel I would stay at. Just be able to wake up in the morning, walk across to the cruise port. Uh, super, super easy. I also stayed at the Hyatt house in San Juan for one night. I know it's just a Hyatt house, but it has to be the nicest Hyatt house I've ever seen from like a game room to a beautiful pool, uh, brand new. It is a category three, 12,000 world of Hyatt points a night, but Definitely my favorite Hyatt house. And it's not right in the heart of old San Juan like the Sheraton is, but it's definitely newer and a pretty good location for, for visiting San Juan. Uh,
2: have you ever been there? Yeah, we went to San Juan, I think before our first kid, but it was a long time ago. And we I barely remember. It was one of those trips we booked last minute. And you know we enjoyed the sun and um, checking out the old city and stuff like that. But I remember very little out of it. But I, I would love to take a cruise out of there sometime. So that's a good tip on that hotel.
0: Yeah, the reason we chose to do a cruise, well, in 2012, I had one in my previous sales job, like a trip there uh, for like one of those company trips for like the top salespeople. And the event was at the, I forget what it was called at the time. It's where the Hyatt Regency Grand Reserve is now. And I was originally going to stay there this last week, but I decided to stay in San Juan. But uh, back in 2012, before that trip, we did a cruise. And what I liked about that is because you're starting so deep in the Caribbean, you actually go to some ports that a lot of those ships sailing out of South Florida don't go to. It's just too far. Uh, but you're already starting in, in Puerto Rico. So they go, you know, way down, places place like Barbados, further down into the Caribbean than some of those other itineraries, which I really enjoyed. So I definitely recommend sailing out of there uh, if anybody wants to do in the future. Plus, you have all that cool old Spanish colonial architecture in old San Juan, lots of like vibrant music and culture there you have those cool forts that overlook the the ocean so there's some interesting things to see there and then if you get outside of San Juan you have the El Yunque rainforest which i remember seeing back in the day the only rainforest i believe in the united states if i'm correct so and also San Juan they have a bioluminescence bay which we did we kayaked out there this is again 2012 uh, where you know all of, there's like algae in the water that it, when you touch the water with your kayak like it just illuminates uh, all like crazy. So so there's a lot of cool stuff there. Really a big fan of Puerto Rico. Uh, I was glad to get to spend a little bit of time there as well and I enjoyed mosquito, enjoyed all of that and I hope that many people out there can use miles and points to uh, to go there. If not, we all got to put up together some group trips and figure out a way to get back. Start saving that money now. <laughs> all right. Now let's go to me and Mark. We're going to talk credit cards, why he's getting rid of his Aspire card, the Freedom Flex. Let's hit it. I'll be back for rapid fire. All right, I'm here with Mark, and Mark, we, we promised that we were going to talk about uh, some Freedom Flex stuff, uh, but we had to put that on the back burner because American Airlines and Marriott decided to just blow up their programs on the same day, kind of, right? I mean, pretty uh, pretty substantial changes to both Bonvoy and Advantage. Why don't we start with Marriott? You tell us uh, what, what
1: they did this time. Well, first off, Hyatt was like, thank you, let me send you a gift basket because it was the same day that they're uh peak and off peak pricing went into into place so that kind of got buried and they're like yeah cool now now we don't have to worry about people getting upset with us because Marriott just <laughs> Marriott said hold my beer let's go yeah what was what
0: is it with October 26th that they all just honed in on that date and um I don't you know did, maybe it's like once up.
1: one does it they all just do, they're like yeah let's do it let's just it's a bloody tuesday or whatever but yeah so Marriott the changes are they're going they're basically going fully dynamic not going to have any more uh, award charts. Currently, they have off-peak standard and peak pricing. So it's kind of like a flexible, semi-variable award chart. But once it falls into those categories, it's it stays that price no matter what the cash price is. And this uh, going forward in the future will be fully dynamic. So they're saying it won't be necessarily tied to the cash price. So it won't be like, you're guaranteed to get half a cent a point or or, that doesn't sound good to me at all. That does not
0: sound good to me at all.
1: So I don't know. Yeah. I'd almost at this point rather just, okay, be a Southwest and tell me what it's worth and let's, let's go. But yeah, so it it goes into effect on March of 2022, but they're going to stay within the peak and non-peak pricing for the rest of 2022. 2023 is when the full dynamic rolls out. So I guess it'll be kind of like a, Hey, we have a little bit of room to wiggle and screw you over next year, but come 2023 is where we're really going to, you know, make our money. So that's kind of the changes they're trying to make it seem like it's going not be a bad thing. You know, we've seen this happen with Hilton and with IHG and it, whenever anything goes dynamic, it's never great. Usually, I feel like they kind of stay somewhat in the realm of the old award chart, but they'll play games with it and as, you know, if it's a busy weekend, prices will go up. And it, and Hilton is probably the best, you know, precursor to this, what you saw, you could get with Hilton five years ago versus what you could get now. But Marriott's been going this way ever since the SPG purchase. And it, every year they just kind of take a little bit more out of the program. And this is like the last big chunk. I feel like,
0: yeah, I mean, it's been cost cutting for sure with the launch of Bonvoy and, and making it as efficient a program as possible, giving the properties as many outs as they can for certain benefits. And despite the fact that they're saying that the pricing in 22-22 will remain for the most part between the old peak and non-peak pricing, they still even give themselves an out on that so that they can charge in certain properties, they can charge even more. And then, I mean, the, we, we saw Delta, right, get away, we'll talk about American in a minute, but we saw Delta get rid of their award charts for the most part years ago. And that hasn't caught on. Uh, so much in the industry. like they, they, There's award charts still with their rival airlines, but I don't think the same thing is going to happen in, in the hotel industry. As you point out, Hilton has already done this. Other big programs are doing it. Bonvoy hasn't been uh, so positive with all of their changes. So this is going to be bad, and I think it's going to be bad for other programs, including Hyatt. I, Hyatt just moved to peak, non-peak. They're a little bit behind some of the other programs, but um, I think this is the future of hotel redemptions and hotel rewards programs, which kind of sucks to your point a few years ago, it was so much better.
1: Yeah, I do think, uh, you know, and that's one of the comments that I got in the article was you can't call high at you know, dynamic cause they're going to peak and non-peak. And I said, you know, it's kind of like the fringe of dynamic because there are ranges, I mean, it's static once they pick the range, but it, it's still, you know, a hotel that was always 15 could be a different variance of that now. So. I think Hyatt has always been like two years behind everybody else. And I, I could see this, you know, Marriott went to peak non-peak and, and now Hyatt's doing that. And then the next logical step is for them to go to dynamic. So I could totally see that. I don't like that. They're not tying. I almost would rather have it them tie it to a, a percent, like a set per point at this point, like a Southwest does. So at least we know, and you can figure out your earn rates you know, with this dynamic thing, like Hilton, you can open up a hotel, it could be 20k one time. And if all the standard rooms, which they could have, they could make it so there's only a couple standard rooms in each hotel. If there's no standard room available, it could be 110k, you know, 147k. It's all this random stuff, you never know what you're going to get, which makes it, you know, frustrating and more difficult. So I don't know, yeah, hotels are going to be you know, the value is just not going to be there for earning their points, which it's already kind of gone that way anyway for most programs.
0: Yeah. I mean, you make a good point. I just booked uh, Hampton Inn in Mexico City for our uh, Diamond Group meetup next year. We're doing it for Independence Day. And the cash price for a non standard room was $5 more than the standard room. The standard room was 20,000 points, which, by the way, uh, it used to be 10,000 at that hotel before they changed to dynamic pricing. Uh, but it was forty-eight thousand points for the room that was five dollars more than the base room, and that proves to what, exactly what you're saying. Uh, maybe sometimes the base redemption's okay, but then uh, you're gonna pay sky high for anything above that. Um, but I guess the argument being that a lot of programs don't let you book don't let you book non-standard rooms. But yeah, this is not good. It's not gonna be good for for overall value. Hopefully, programs like Hyatt will hold out. But uh, I, I remember seeing IHG back in the day, and all of the value slowly whittled away there. Hilton. Once you open up the door to variable pricing, which Hyatt already has, it's just going to continue to go in that direction. So yeah, to the point Hyatt peak, non-peak, what's the next step for them? It's to base their rates on what the hotels are actually charging. And uh, that's where I think it'll all go.
1: Yeah. It's falling. (laughs) We were were talking in the the Miles Memories works like, you know, what programs are left that are are static without peak and non-peak. And like, we can only come up with Wyndham really that... (laughs) <laughs> which yeah. uh, you know, even choice has a little bit of variance. I'm not sure Radisson. I haven't been involved in that program in years, so I'm not sure there. I feel like there is some, you know, peak and is, on yeah. Peak. yeah. So there's really nothing left. So w- hold on to Wyndham, I guess. There you go.
0: <laughs> and even Wyndham, I remember when they relaunched that, uh, that loyalty program with the 15 K flat rate across all their properties. Uh, that's certainly not the case anymore. Um, so even they have, they have changed to, to different uh, pricing, but I would expect uh, Wyndham will probably fall in line uh, with everybody else. But let's move to Advantage because American also made some big, big changes. Thankfully, they did not get rid of their award chart. There's one positive, I guess. But they've gone away with the idea of earning Advantage Miles and they're replacing them with loyalty points, which you can earn from flying, from your credit cards, from dining, from, from everywhere else. So I guess the idea is to decouple their loyalty program specifically from the airline and make it more of a lifestyle program where you can you can earn in, in different ways. Uh, but now that means that your status is basically going to be based on spend or how many loyalty points you you pull in. Uh, in order to, to get gold status with American, you'll have to earn 30,000 loyalty points, platinum 75,000, advantage platinum pro 125K, and executive platinum, you'll have to earn 200,000 loyalty points in a year. So that's a lot. Uh, But it also means that you can spend with your credit cards to earn status. Although they're taking a page out of Hyatt's playbook here and decoupling some of the benefits uh, from the status. So even if you had executive platinum status, if you haven't flown 30 segments on American or one of their partners, then you don't get some of the perks like uh, Admirals Club day passes, uh, system-wide upgrades. So they've sort of gamified it uh, where if you, you know hit some levels uh, on that you hit your segments you can get that stuff kind of similar to how you have you know full globalist and and not real globalist I guess
1: uh, with high oh. <laughs> no they did somewhere when they brought out their milestones you know they kind of separated out the thing because you used to be able to do a status match uh, with m life and you would get uh, explore status and that came with four lounge access certs and you didn't really have to stay at all and they're like whoa whoa We'll still give you the Explorers, but you're not going to get any of this stuff. You know, it goes by nights now. When you get 20 nights, you get a couple uh lounge access certs and stuff. So I, I understand why they're doing that. Uh, you know, they want people that are actually putting in the effort get to get it. And and I feel like this move by American is very similar to what Delta has set up because you can use the Delta cards to to earn your way to not peak status without you know massive amounts of spend, but uh you can get the MQD waiver if you spend 25K on an American Express Delta card. And, you know, if you have enough of the Delta cards, you can kind of spend your way to platinum status, which quite a few people do. And that comes with all the perks. But, you know, I understand anybody that flies American for for work or, you know, butt in seat miles. This is huge hit to them because other people that are just spend money on a credit card, a small business can easily put 200 grand on a a credit card and have status that they, you know, flew 30, 40 flights in a year to get, and then they're going to be fighting them for up domestic upgrades and all that stuff. So I see why anybody that was loyal to American would be upset. I think it opens up opportunities for other people, but also, you know, what's airline status even worth these days with them allowing you to cancel award flights for free? That was kind of like the big perk uh, for anybody that had status, you know, upgrades are are great, but with them adding economy comfort, getting upgraded to first is less likely and and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's, it's a tough pill to swallow. And, and I think a lot of people are going to be jumping off uh, the bandwagon and and being a free agent.
0: Now on the flip side, I think people in this hobby are people who can spend uh, now they have the opportunity to earn status where they didn't. And um, so that's good. And even if you don't fly the 30 segments and you're getting the status for like domestic upgrades and some of those perks, I could see it being being worth it maybe for the right person with the right spend. And, you know, the the way that they gamified this and added these choice rewards, uh, which to me, system-wide upgrades are going to be the big benefit of the choice rewards. Uh, You know, the other options are bonus miles or Admiral's Club Passes. Uh, But you're going to earn the level one at 125K. So that's where you would earn Platinum Pro normally. You'll earn level two at 200K. But then it does go up from there. So kind of like Hyatt where you can earn additional points or sweet upgrades you know when you hit 350k 550k or 750k you're going to be able to unlock more you know perks like sy- more system wide upgrades it's not entirely different from the way the program has been but um i think the big change here is that uh, you'll be able to earn through spend and it's just going to change the whole calculation that people have to make when they are thinking about advantage and and what they're going to do some people will win the vast majority i think will lose but I think it's kind of brilliant. I mean, on Americans' part, to get you to use their cards and to get you to buy into their system in a whole different way, even if you're not that business traveler. Um, as we know, there's a lot less business travelers right now too, so uh, probably good for them as well.
1: Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, and it's something I wrote about today. You know, loyalty programs aren't about loyalty to you anymore, or about your loyalty to them. You know, companies have moved away from that, like rewarding customers, because they were trying to make money off of hey, I want you flying our airline every time. Now it's about selling their miles because that's where they're making their money in these uh, loyalty programs. They're selling their miles to banks, to credit card companies, stuff like that. And they want you, the end user, to get invested in earning the miles through those means, You know, through the shopping portals, through the dining programs, through the credit cards. That That's where their profit is. They want to work with the banks. The banks are the middleman that bring them the customers. And it almost feels like they they're doing flights uh, to kind of entice you to keep earning miles like, hey, you could fly this flight if you had enough miles, but you better go spend some more money versus trying to reward people that actually fly them on a regular basis. And I think that's kind of the way things have gone. And and with business travel being down and you know, Zoom meetings becoming more prevalent, and I think that's going to be around for a long time, they have to kind of look at other options. And it was already going this way. And this is just a way for them to say, you know what, we're all in with this. Our our customers that we only care about are the banks that are buying these miles. And they've they've even sold it to them during the pandemic to, to get cash flow. They're like, Hey, can you pre-buy some of these miles? And the banks were like, sure. So that partnership is like very intertwined. And until the banks cut them off, I think that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. And one
0: other thing that I think we should mention is that they are changing their elite year. So you're going to qualify uh from March through the end of February of the next year, starting uh, this year, uh, this January and February, you'll be able to earn double. So you'll be earning for 2022 and it'll also count for 2023 status. Uh, but just they're changing the elite year cause they said they didn't want people having to qualify towards the end of the year. You know, think about doing mileage runs in December. Now you'll have January and February uh, to qualify. So I, I kind of think that's cool. And if you have status now, they have extended it through the end of March of 2022. So This program will kick in March 31st and um, it's a whole new world between Marriott and American Airlines. We want to hear what you guys think. So, uh, you know, hit us up, let us know what you think about these changes. I think it's indicative of where we're headed in this loyalty space and probably not the best for customers, but it's what happens when an industry matures.
1: Yeah. And I think this drives at home, you know, transferable currencies, cash back is kind of the way of the future booking through uh, portals and stuff because I don't think miles and points are gonna be worth what they were before, so focus on that type of stuff, build that stash, be a free agent, go where you want to go, book you know how many times have you booked a flight for loyalty and it was thirty dollars more than the other guy, but you're like,, oh, I hope I'm you know gonna get an upgrade or fifty dollars more though the, the all that cost is baked in, and you you kind of look over it and stuff, so maybe this will end up working out better for us overall, probably not
0: <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's hope from your, uh, from your mouth to God's ears. All right. Now let's head into rapid fires. All right. And now let's move
2: on to rapid fires. Joe, start us off. All right. So, uh, we bring this up from time to time, but Mark has made super useful Amex limited time credit spreadsheet, just a way for you to keep track of all of your different Amex credits, when to use them, when you have used them, when you need to use them by, uh, a way for you to check it off if you have used it. So check out the article, make a copy of Mark's spreadsheet, use your own particular Amex cards and add in or take out whatever uh, is or is not relevant to you. But uh, it's a great way to make sure that you're getting the most out of your American Express cards. You know, there are so many credits to keep track of. You know, you got to put that Cycle on there. So make sure you get that Cycle credit uh, taken care of. What about you, Sean? For me, we have...
0: The best choice hotels redemptions. Ian dove in deep into the program, as you know, Joe. I know you don't like City thank you points, but Choice is now a transfer partner of City, and I think that gives a lot of opportunity, especially in places like Scandinavia, where they have a lot of footprint that some of the other brands don't have. So uh, he dove in the ten best choice hotels redemptions, and there's some really good ones, uh, as predicted. A lot of them in Scandinavia, but some in the U.S. And I wanted to to highlight that because. It's not often that we get like a whole new program to transfer points into, and uh, I'm excited about this. I have my Choice Hotel status locked in, and uh, I'm ready to to go
2: explore the world. So check what that out. What does one get? What does one get with Choice Hotel status? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but you have it. You have it. Sure. That's all that yeah. matters. That's yeah.
0: all that matters. I have my Best Western status too, so we're gonna keep that uh, keep that going. Doesn't matter if I have anything. It's just when I write about it, I can just say I have all these statuses for the rest of my life. And it's the bragging rights uh, that you get with it. Indeed. All right.
2: And that's going to do it for us this week. Joe, where can people find you when they're not listening to this fine podcast? You can find me at As Joe Flies all over social media. Connect with me there and all of
1: my different stuff there. What about you, Mark? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DetroitMark. Email me, Mark, at miles memoriescom Comment on any of the articles on the website, miles memoriescom join our Facebook groups, our diamond Patreon group, especially if you want to go to Mexico city for independence day, it's going to be awesome. Uh, we just set up the whole schedule for 2022, all our trips, uh, quarterly trips. So, uh, hope to see you in there. And you can find me miles for 30, 40, 50
0: posts per week, all of the deals, how to maximize the programs, learning about new transfer partners, spending opportunities, All of that for this podcast, check out mtmpodcast.com. Don't forget to check out our Patreon if you want to dive in deeper into miles and points. And if you like Vegas, check out all our stuff at mtmvegas.com. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time. See ya.